TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome into the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlovsky, the Polish pipe bomb here. About to be joined with uh, Steve Zaki in a second. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. It's kind of like All-Star Day. we got Steve Zaki here. We're going to have Dennis Michelson on, uh, Eddie Lapine, David Hobbs. Oh, my, what a packed show. Uh, so let's bring in Steve Zaki now. Steve, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. It has just, uh, just been a crummy week weather-wise, and it... It still is. Looks like this is supposed to move out uh, sometime this afternoon. But, I mean, it's just uh, Labor Day was nice, and then uh, the bottom fell out, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. It feels like it's rained every day since the 4th of July. And uh, let's head out to uh, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Bring in Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. Dennis, how are you this morning? Gentlemen, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was funny because they always said that they taught history class so that we learn from the mistakes of our past. And last weekend, uh, great racing at Darlington all weekend long. The Xfinity Series, which you know I trash on a regular basis because usually it's unwatchable. The last 15 laps at Darlington were phenomenal. Uh, the leaders get into it on, on the last lap, and um, you had a surprise winner. And then not learning from the mistake of a night previously, the exact same thing happened in the Cup Series the following day. Dennis, what was your takeaway from a great week of racing at Darlington last week? 
I was really excited to see that in the first race of the NASCAR playoffs, where points are what matters more than anything else, that somebody was willing for the risk-reward move and to, to go for the win. And yes, I know a win advances you to the next level of the playoffs, but getting into a wreck and having a problem and having one bad race out of three in the first elimination set is a lot more of a risk than that reward of winning one race. So I was just glad to see it's the Southern 500, and people didn't worry about anything but winning the race. That's what racing is supposed to be about. Yeah, the Southern 500 was absolutely phenomenal all race long. Steve, what were some of the takeaways that you uh, you had from uh, Darlington weekend? Well, I think you had a situation with uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott. Uh, I, I think when Chase Elliott looks back at this, you know, a week later, two weeks later, uh, not necessarily in front of media, but with himself, maybe his dad or that, I think he'll, he might, might have learned a lesson there. Because, uh, you know, growing up, I always used to hear, Darlington is, is you're not racing your, your fellow drivers, you're racing the track. And there's going to be po- points during the race where there has to be a give and take. And so you had a situation where Truex had a fantastic run, uh, coming off the previous corner, going down the front stretch, and coming out of it for whatever reason, Chase Elliott it picked a lower lane, which had not been the optimum way to go around Darlington, of course. So you had a situation where here you got Truex has a hell of a run. He goes and he puts himself in position for the pass. Now, granted, he wasn't cleared, but that happens all the time at Darlington. And there, there's a, there's, a, you know, there's that old adage: you got to live to fight again. You know, Chase in hindsight should have let him in, and then they should have battled continuing on. Now, what happens? They both hit the wall. Guess who wins? Kevin Harvick. So now you have a situation where you had two guys basically going mano a mano, fighting for the lead. They opened up the the cage. And they let the tiger out, which is Kevin Harvick, who's been just dominating and tearing up the competition, him and Denny Hamlin. So, you know, you had a situation where you could have kept Harvick down uh, at least in third place. You could have got a win, at least if not you, it would have been Truex. And I think if you, you know, it, it just was frustrating. You know, Truex was of, you know, if you read between the lines of what Truex said, you know, he kind of said, yeah, I think Chase might learn. I think. He kind of screwed up, but he he didn't want to call him out on it. And there's two there's two ways of going. And like Dennis said before, you know they're going for the win. But I, I think uh, you know it wasn't the last lap. But so I, I think in, in hindsight, uh, I think Chase Elliott might have made a different different decision. Uh, Dennis, do you agree with that? Do you think that uh, Chase should have lifted in with about 12 laps to go at the Southern 500? And uh, you know, possibly try to cross over, move on Truex, or do you uh, you stand by uh, his uh, his way of going about things and just uh, you know keeping the the pedal nailed to the floor? Yeah, I think what ends up happening in that situation is he's thinking, my goodness, this guy caught me and now is trying to pass me. If he gets by me, he's gone. You know, in the clean air. So. I think he thought this was his one chance that if he could hold him off, maybe he could get uh, Truex's tires angry and, you know, 
sort of have a chance to, to hang on. But it's one of those split-second things. I mean, he just didn't want to get past. And it wasn't like Truex had him all that cleared. You know, it was a case of one guy pushed the envelope, the other guy didn't back off, and they both ended up losing the race. But at the end of the day, that's what race is all about. That's what people came to see is they didn't want a guy giving up any space on the track. They didn't want another guy, you know, being timid and waiting until the perfect time to make a move. This is the Southern 500. This is one of the toughest tracks. And I think they both made a decision. Maybe after the fact, they're going, doggone it, we hurt our chances to win a championship. But at the time, all they were concerned about was winning the Southern 500. And I am so glad that there's still this this desire to win one of the big races. Because I'm having a feeling if this wasn't the Southern 500, maybe Chase does lift and just is happy with second place. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, being one of the crown jewel races of the NASCAR season definitely had something to do with uh, Chase's decision to keep the throttle uh, nailed to the floor and not lift and let Truex in, which, uh, as Steve said, basically came back to uh, to bite them both in, in the rear, and they finished in the mid-20s. So um, now... You know, after the race last weekend, uh, between the Xfinity, between the Cup race, the two earlier races we had when we were coming out of the uh, whole lockdown that they had at Darlington, it just kind of made me uh, wish that, uh, you know, 30 of the uh, 36 races a year were at Darlington. They were all fantastic shows. Uh, What did you think, Steve? I totally agree, and I I think NASCAR is kind of... Well, I mean, this has been a debate, Dennis, you and I have been having on for, for many years about, you know, NASCAR's done everything but fixed a car, and apparently that's going to happen in 22, and hopefully they'll they'll have it fixed by then. But they, uh, they're changing tracks, they're changing everything else they can, rules and whatnot, uh, but, you know, you see what, what we'll talk about it in another segment here about the changes happening at California Speedway. Uh, you know, there, sometimes uh, you, you you make a track, you, you build a track, you make it unique for uh, different reasons, and that's cert- that is certainly the way with Darlington. There's never been another track built like it. Uh, it is an odd track. I mean, how many tracks where you, where you race up against the wall like that continuously other than the old Oakland Speedway? Uh, in the 40s and 50s, which was a high bank, you don't really see that. That's been long gone. You, look, you can look that up on Wikipedia. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a great track. I love it, and it, it just it makes it, the the guys have to drive it. And I think that was maybe an issue that we've seen with some of these other tracks, where you can pretty much uh, keep the pedal down all the way, all the way around the track. And there's no finesse in that. And I and I I've said this on the show before. You know, I people want to see it has to look difficult. You know, you you look at the other sports. You look at basketball and football. You know, somebody makes a play. You go, I, there's no way I could have done that. And that's why you're watching it. And I, now, granted, we know it's it, it it's hard taking a race car running it at 200 miles an hour, and it's not easy. But if you make if it appears too easy. People are out there thinking, well, well, what's so difficult about that? And I'm talking about the, you know, the novices, people that maybe don't know the sport that might be flipping through the channel. So uh, when you see a track like uh, 
Darlington, where the guys are battling all the way through the field, it makes compelling television, and it's certainly entertaining. Yeah, it sure was, and I think with the, the amount of in-car cameras across all the series in NASCAR that they have now, there's nothing more kind of just frustrating than uh, when they show the in-car camera and, and you see a driver and it looks like he's just got one hand on a wheel going for a Sunday drive. You know, you could have his uh, have a Marlboro hanging out the window just, uh, you know, going uh, going for a stroll around town. Now, Darlington, obviously phenomenal because, you know, it is an abrasive track. The tire fall-off is real. New tires are king there. That kind of leads into this weekend uh, at Richmond, doesn't it, Dennis? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens at Richmond. Uh, the last few years, as they as they took power away from the guys, you know, the racing got pretty bad, but... Now, giving the power back to the guys here, you know, about five years ago, I guess, they took the power away. Last year, they started putting it back at the shorter tracks. And we should get back to typical Richmond. But, again, my criticism with NASCAR and the short tracks is back in the day, I mean, I'm talking 20 years ago, when you went to the short tracks, the cars looked different. The wheel wells had huge openings. And guys were able to actually beat and bang and make contact. Now if they make the least bit of contact and wrinkle up a fender, they risk a tire going down. Until NASCAR realizes that they have to have a different body style for the short tracks, we're going to not get the optimum short track racing. Richmond's a three-quarter of a mile track. But you'll be hearing them talk about arrow and about arrow and about arrow. And, oh, it's, you know, the downforce isn't right on these, you know, he's, he's not handling as well as, a, you know, put some more tape on the front. It's a three-quarter mile track. You should be talking about the guy who's got the, the most guts to beat and bang and, you know, eight tires corner better than four and all those cliches that we used to have at the short tracks are gone because NASCAR will not loosen up the body styles and give these guys larger wheel wells. And it's all in this, you know, one template for every track thing, but the tracks are different. And it would be no different than going to Eldora on the dirt with the trucks with the front splitter. It wouldn't work. And similarly, you know, having these tight wheel wells on a short track doesn't work either. Yeah, and along with the wheel wells, you wouldn't need to have the uh, brake cooling uh, systems installed and all that kind of stuff as well. If you get more air into the wheel wells, obviously that's going to cool the brakes naturally. And then if you do sit there and rub fenders and beat and bang a little bit, you've got less of a problem of uh, mechanical error than you do with the way the the cars are set up now. Uh, Steve, you know, it's this uh, last few weeks has been a huge treat. I know, uh, you know, Richmond is, is both of our uh, favorite tracks, I believe, on the circuit. I know it's mine. And, uh, Darlington is uh, is top two as well. And so uh, this has been a uh, kind of a, a dessert before the meal uh, right at the beginning of the playoffs here. Uh, for me, personally, what do you think about uh how they have the track set up to start the first round of the playoffs. Well, I love it. I, you know, like we, we, we've been 
we've been pounding the drum for Richmond for many years on the show, and and I love it. You know, it, it it's it, for the main reason it, it's wide. There's multiple lines. You can really finesse the car. Tire wear comes into it because the track is so abrasive. So you you have some uh, you know pit strategy that can be uh, uh, taken into effect. We saw last night with the uh, Xfinity or with the uh, yeah, with the Xfinity race last night, you know, the ebb and flow, and there is, you know, guys actually left because of the, there wasn't a lot of yellow flags. Uh, there were, there were guys actually left, uh, you know, tires in the pits because they didn't necessarily want to take on tires uh, because they wanted those tires at the end of the, 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 the brace. But the way, the way it turned out, they couldn't pit anyways because of track position. So you had guys skating around, and it, it was entertaining to watch. I mean, like, like I said you know, previously, it, it, you know, you want the racing to look difficult. Like, boy, I don't know if I could do this. This is really fascinating stuff. That's what you want the viewers to, to, to say. So we certainly saw that last night. It was an entertaining race. Yeah, it was entertaining, and uh, especially in the Xfinity series, if I, was, if I put my crew crew chief uh hat on i would definitely choose short run speed over long run speed because you don't expect the entire final stage of the race especially in the xfinity series where the drivers are young and you know we've seen races this year where the last 15 laps have taken an hour and a half because it's just a a demolition derby at that point um, you know, it, it was great to see even the, the guys running in the top five who sat there and, and weren't able to control the rear end of their race car at the end of the race last night. Uh, you did have Kyle Busch in the Xfinity race last night. Dennis, how surprised were you? You know, he did start, you know, real close to the back of the field. However, you know, this is Kyle Busch, and if this is a truck series or a normal Xfinity weekend, it takes him about 20 laps to crack the top 10 and about another 10 to be in the top three. Uh, how surprised were you that Kyle Busch didn't lead one lap last night? Yeah, it is pretty amazing because whenever you tune in and you see that Kyle Busch is running, you figure, oh, this is a race for second place tonight. Yeah, I mean, he wins at such a high percentage, so to not see him have his usual dominance, and we've seen him start on the pole, get a penalty in the middle of the race, have to restart from the back of the, the, you know, the tail end of the longest lap or longest line and work his way back up in 10 laps to be back up in the lead. I mean, the guy is so much better and the cars are so much better, but maybe what we're seeing, the other teams start catching up with, uh, with the Joe Gibbs racing team cars because we have not seen the dominance out of Kyle Busch when he's, it, it hasn't been an automatic when he's shown up to, to win the races like it's been in the, the recent past, but good to see some, good to see a series regular beat him for a change. Yeah, I agree. And last night, you know, uh, none of the, you know, the Gibbs cars uh, struggled for a, a huge portion of the night and, and weren't running where we're accustomed to them running on a regular basis. Steve, really quick, because we got to take a break soon. Do you think the lack of success that Kyle Busch had last night, we all know that he's winless in the Cup Series this year. His, uh, we've talked about you know his struggles, and uh, he hasn't won a race since Miami. 
at the end of last season when he won the title. Does this further, uh, you know, drag him down mentally uh, this season? And does your outlook uh, of him advancing deep into the playoffs this year change? That is a very good question because, uh, to be honest, I didn't even think of that uh, when we were watching him struggle, quote-unquote, in third place uh, through most of the race. We're in the top five. So, um, yeah, that's interesting because, um, you know, I think he started, what, 28th, 25th, and he moved up pretty, you know, pretty impressively, and you're thinking, oh, boy, look out, here comes, uh, you know, Kyle Busch. But, yeah, that, that, that you know, if if, he's, if that gets into his head, oh, my God, I can't even win an Xfinity race at this point, yeah, it has to be frustrating. And you can, you can tell... Uh, you know, Kyle Busch is a is a fellow that can get easily frustrated, and we see how how he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve, especially after a DNF after a race. So, um, yeah, it, that that's interesting to see. But don't forget, he does drive for Joe Gibbs Racing, and if there's anybody who can kind of keep him on the up and up, it should be Joe Gibbs. Yeah, I agree. All right, we got to take a quick break here. I told you, ladies and gentlemen, we had an all-star show. What a start here with Dennis Michelson and Steve Zaki. Uh, we've got more with these two rock stars coming up next. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, steering the ship this first hour for you. Uh, we've got Steve Zaki here, and we have Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media as well. As always, we are brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. This weather lately has been crap, but I know out at, uh, at my little tiny abode, the uh, rain has finally stopped. Make sure you uh, stay tuned in and locked in to the Great Lakes Dragway Facebook page for weather updates and all that, and uh, hopefully they get running today. I know tomorrow is supposed to be beautiful, so a perfect day to head out to the racetrack as well. Uh, Steve, Dennis, welcome back. Uh, When we look at the points after race one of the playoffs last week, you see that Ryan Blaney has, uh, has fallen to the bottom. He currently sits in 16th place of all the playoff drivers in last. And we talked about last week how he did enter the playoffs struggling and how uh, Darlington and now today at Richmond aren't his best racetrack, so he might start out bad out of the gate. Steve, do you expect uh, Ryan Blaney to bounce back and advance to round two? Yeah, he is not. He's certainly not championship caliber at this point. And and the and the one thing you need to to do that is consistency. And if there's a team that has not been consistent consistent uh, this year, it certainly is that 12 team and Ryan Blaney. And uh, case in point, I was very surprised. Uh, at Darlington, you know, he has an issue on the parade lap. He comes in and have to change the uh, change a tire before the green flag, and uh, it, it appeared that the team Penske was completely flustered and unprepared. They, you know, it just it did not go well. I was very surprised at that. 
And you just wonder if, uh, you know, well, it, it's just that team just really isn't where the, they where they need to be. And Ryan Blaney, for whatever reason, has certainly shown uh, brilliance at times. And other times you just kind of scratch your head. So, yeah, I think he could eat very easily be in that bottom four after the, these first rounds. Yeah, I agree. How about you, Dennis? I have been amazed at Ryan Blaney's career because he always seems to be up in the hunt, in the top five, in the top ten, early in the race. And the guy's only won one race a season during his career. He's got great equipment. He's obviously a very talented driver. But he makes these weird mistakes that cost him better finishes. And then, like like, uh, Steve said, the pit crew last week, they almost put the left side tires on the right side and vice versa when he's coming in for the emergency uh, pit stop to be so unprepared. And, and I understand it when something happens on the pace lap of all things, you're, you're not really clued in, but you should always have a set of tires ready for any emergency, especially in a track like Darlington. So it was just weird to see that team so unprepared, but Drivers also figured out ways to cost himself better finishes all year long, and that has put him on uh, as one of the bubble boys to be an early exit. Even though all season long, if you look at you know who is running up at the top five, top ten consistently early in the race, it's always been Blaney. Yeah, well, as we put a bow on uh, Darlington weekend, Steve, any final thoughts from uh, the Southern Five Hundred? Well, yeah, I do. Um, I want to go into the Wayback Machine here and then talk a little history. I just thought this was kind of unique. I just thought about this um, occurrence that happened uh, a, a few years ago, but it's actually more like 30 years ago. Uh, A.J. Foyt, Super Techs, of course, four-time Indy 500 winner, winner of the Daytona 500, 24, Le Mans, 24 hours in Le Mans, and would drive anywhere from two, three, four, five, six whatever uh, NASCAR races a year. And those are usually the FIA races. Uh, and uh, what that meant was there was no restriction. So drivers could, from other series, could race in another series, whether it's NASCAR or NASCAR guys going to Indy, such as the Indianapolis 500, without a penalty, which was the norm back then because everybody was protective of, of their drivers and whatnot. So uh, you had a situation when I think it was 86, 87, 88, right around there, the late 80s, where AJ, because of the, the calendar, had never raced at Darlington. And he, he put in an entry and he raced at Darlington. And at that time, if you raced at Darlington, you had to take a rookie test. NASCAR <laughs> officials uh, met with AJ and said, you know what, we're not going to give you the... Uh, the rookie test, and AJ said, no, no, I want to take the, if everybody has to take a rookie test, I will take the rookie test, and so you hear you had AJ Foyt at that time, you know, probably 50 years old, but very experienced, and still very, uh, you know, had just one to 24 hours of Daytona a year or two before, uh, taking a rookie test at Darlington, because that was his first time there, so fast forward to this year, where you have the very unique circumstances because of COVID-19 and everything, where there's no practice or anything. And you had drivers in the uh, Xfinity Series and Cup Series, Dennis and um, uh, Jeff, who never raced at Darlington. They just threw them in the car and threw them out there. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just incredible how times have changed. And, and you know, when they first announced this, everybody was like, I, I can't believe they're doing this. But uh, Dennis and Jeff, I'm just wondering, especially Dennis with you, you you've, you've seen these things a little... Uh, have seen them up close, some of these simulators and that. I mean, is it because of the sim work these guys are doing and everything? Or, I mean, it's not like these guys are, are teetotaling into turn one, too. I mean, they're they're driving these things deep on their first time at this track. It's just because NASCAR has changed their own philosophy because it used to be that if you didn't get out and have successful laps of practice, they wouldn't even let you qualify. And that, that went for any rookie at any track. You, you just didn't do this in the past. And now you got guys who've never raced at a track like Darlington. You're right. Darlington was one of those special deals, and so were Talladega and Daytona, where it didn't matter how experienced you were. It didn't matter what you had done in other racing series. You had to go through the rookie orientation, just like a NASCAR driver or anybody else, any rookie would at the Indianapolis 500. So NASCAR's just totally changed it for this year. You know, I have been almost in shock watching these guys, but they haven't wanted more equipment up. So maybe NASCAR looks at this and says, man, maybe we can get away with this in the future too. Well, when Foyd was taking his rookie test, uh, we all know about his uh, infamous sunshiny personality that, uh, that he uh, tended to, uh, to bring to the track with him. You know that those guys, I think he could have rode, rode the wall the entire time, and they, nobody would have said no to uh, to Foyt there, uh, scared out of their personal safety. So, uh, But as we uh, look ahead to race two of the playoffs, which uh, does take place tonight at Richmond for the Cup Series, uh, Dennis, do you think we've got – the Xfinity, the second race of the doubleheader is going to start here in a little while. And then the Cup guys tonight. It's supposed to be sunny. Uh, the the temperature is going to be, you know, right around 80, low 80s today at Richmond. How do you think having a Xfinity race and all the rubber on the racetrack and all that will affect the, the start of the race and the race in general tonight? With all the racing that they've had on that track, there really should be a second crew. And what you'll probably see is a typical Richmond where there's that fast groove, but as the rubber builds up, you kind of have to straddle that rubber, uh, especially down in one and two. That's been a tradition. Um, it'll be interesting to see because that track will definitely have a lot of rubber on it to start the uh, cup race tonight with all the events that have been you know, we've had a lot of laps between the truck and, and the two Xfinity Series races that will be completed. There'll certainly be a lot more rubber on the track than we usually see at Richmond at the start of a cup race. Yeah, I agree. And uh, along with what uh, you said, Steve, about how times are changing, Richmond is not an easy track to get around with all the rubber. It's going to be hot. It's going to be slick. And uh, do you expect, uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse to make it past lap three tonight? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Race Hub had a good stat uh, regarding uh, William Byron over the last uh, three three cup races. He's finished uh, fourth, first, and fifth. 
So William Byron has certainly uh, has looked well. Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, I forgot to bring up in the last segment, was uh, also with Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, Joe Gibbs Racing at Darlington last week, I think they had four of the top six positions, but certainly didn't finish that way. Where he had, uh, And it was actually Eric Jones who got the best finish of them. Uh, Eric Jones finished fourth. Uh, Kyle Busch was fifth. Uh, which to him, he might as well be 37th. Uh, Denny Hamlin was 13th, of course, and uh, Truex ended up 22nd after the what we talked about with Chase Elliott, that incident. So, um, yeah, regarding Richmond, you know, Denny Hamlin, right? I mean, it just makes sense. It seems like we're going every other, every other. So, uh, you had Harvick this week. If if, if Hamlin's going to win any in this in this grouping, I, I think Richmond certainly makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and that definitely makes sense. Uh, Dennis, who uh, who are you looking to uh, to dominate tonight? Well, I you know I'd be typical of sticking with my Kevin Harvick pick, but I had a chance to look this morning at where the smart money is being bet in Vegas, and there's more money being bet on Martin Truex Jr. than anybody else going into this race. So I'm going to go with the smart money, and I'm going to take Truex. Well, that is that's why, a good uh, pick. That's why you're known as the genius of the show, Dennis. I, uh, I can't speak for Steve, but I know you're a hell of a lot smarter than I am. What's, uh, what's the latest over at D-Mike Media? Oh, just having a good time working on, the, uh, on a lot of ad content for uh, my client here in Danville, Illinois, good old W-I-T-Y radio, and uh, looking forward to what's going to be a virtual version of the Racetrack Business Conference is the way it looks like. That'll be happening in December, of course, usually in person at the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show, but we're, com- we're preparing for a virtual version of the Racetrack Business Conference, so that should be interesting. Well, figures that uh, a racing conference would be on Zoom, correct? (laughs) That would be the fast alternative to have. And actually, it'll be our good friends at uh, Speed Sport TV that'll be providing the uh, the visual link for us this year. So uh, very interesting uh, concept that we're proposing. Uh, We're still holding out hope that we'll be able to have the event in person in December, but just in case there will be a racetrack business conference and it's most likely to be virtual well phenomenal and uh stay tuned and keep your eye out on d mike media for uh, all the latest on that business conference and dennis i want to thank you for joining the show thank you for your time and uh, enjoy the racing uh, all day long today with the xfinity series soon you got indy at mid ohio and then the cup series tonight back at richmond so Enjoy all the checkered flags, my friend. We'll definitely be doing so. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Dennis Michelson. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion all grown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Oh, that sweet sound. That's the the golden voice of uh, Austin Delaney, Austin, Texas, the... uh, producer extraordinaire today for the final inspection show we thank him he's doing one hell of a job when we come back me and steve uh we go one-on-one and uh and talk more about richmond and about all the latest news in nascar and racing in general there was just a ton 
that broke this week. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. You're locked in to the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan brought to you by, of course, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Get out there and uh, check out some great racing, have some delicious food, and all the uh, enjoy a huge sample of all the ice cold, uh, fantastic beverages they got out there as well. And our good friends over at David Hobbs Honda in glendale uh for the best in new and used cars and obviously david hobbs he will join steve coming up less than an hour from now so you do not want to miss david hobbs on the final inspection show jeff orlowski the polish pipe bomb here steve zaki is here as well steve uh richmond round two are you looking for anybody to surprise, or are you looking? You have a playoff driver that you think is going to stumble again. We talked uh, how Ryan Blaney. This is not one of his better tracks on the NASCAR circuit. Do you think he's going to continue to struggle, or is there another playoff driver that you see struggling uh, in tonight's race? No, I think it's just the uh, the usual suspects. Um, of course, you know, we, we, we talked about Ryan Blaney, who could struggle, could win the race. He could finish 35th. You never know with Ryan Blaney. But I think the two, uh, it'd be interesting to see. Cole Custer, of course, I mean, he, I, but let's face it, he should be happy. He's in the playoff race because I don't think many people would have picked him to be in it in the first place. He got that well-deserved win, but he did win. And and he should be you know he should be proud of that. But let's face it, uh, it it's still a struggle for him. Uh, this this so far in his very young career. Um, Clint Boyer though, uh, Clint Boyer right now as of now is on the outside looking in. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to turn that around. And uh, I I just I just wonder if he can or not. Because um, you look at uh, Kurt Busch. Who maybe one you know you think of him that he, he would have been one that maybe perhaps could have struggled, and uh, he he's run well here and in, in the past. Of course he had the, the Kyle Busch situation. William Byron's been running very well. Uh, Austin Dillon of course uh, found that uh, <laughs> found that second place finish. Um, so I mean he I I think I think it's Denny Hamlin is the guy. I totally agree, though, with Martin Truex because he's been just so consistent uh, as of late. Uh, th- those are the two guys I would lean for if I'm going to the betting window. But I like William Byron, too. He's been showing something. And uh, the one will be interesting to see is just what Ryan Blaney and Clint Boyer does tonight. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, both of those guys have a real shot to uh... You know, to sit there and turn uh, turn the early round of the playoffs upside down, and uh, you know Ryan Blaney needs it. Clint Boyer, you know, yes, he is on the outside looking in. However, he is tied with his teammate Eric Almarola for points um, uh, as of now, but he doesn't get in on the tiebreaker. So, um, but yeah, so some big news with Jimmy Johnson. Obviously, we all know this is last season full time in the Cup Series for NASCAR. 
signs a two-year deal to run IndyCar. Steve, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson going to IndyCar now? Yeah, if you look between the lines, it's contingent on sponsorship. So uh, it's interesting uh, to hear uh, that this uh, is the video that they used for that was actually recorded in July. Uh, so this has been in the works for a while. I think they were looking for sponsorship. They have not been able to find sponsorship. So this is a good way to kind of throw a bone out there and say, hey, why don't you sponsor Jimmy Johnson uh, for this run in IndyCar next year? However, this is the issue. IndyCar sponsorship is pretty much contingent on the team at the Indy 500. It's the Indy 500 and then everything else uh, falls in underneath. So, because let's face it, there's not a lot of you know, TV draw for what the money for the money it takes to run an IndyCar. They're kind of behind the eight ball doing it this way without an Indy 500 uh, for sponsorship. So it'll be interesting to see does Jimmy Johnson change his mind and run the Indy 500, or are they going to able to run this into a package with somebody else? Perhaps have somebody do a one-off at Indianapolis. Uh, and then have them, you know, have have your sponsor, you know, Jeff Orlowski Radiators sponsor, you know, Jimmy Johnson on the IndyCar series for his eight, seven, whatever races he's going to do at the street and road course races, and then that you dovetail that into a sponsorship of whoever runs that particular car at the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, what? How much success or lack thereof do you think Jimmy Johnson is going to have uh, coming from a long, long career running stock cars and now going to open wheel? It's an uphill battle. Uh, you know, how, what what kind of success he's going to have? I would say he's going to be in the bottom third of the of of the of the field. If he does better than that, God bless him. But it, it, it is so hard, and the fields are so close. And you could be in the bottom third of the field and only be a few tenths off. Case in point, Tony Kanaan. I mean, Tony Kanaan is a, a, a fantastic driver. He still has it, but he's not with the best team. And he's, you know, he's in great shape, but he's 40-some years old, as is Jimmy Johnson. So, you know... Uh, why why should Jimmy Johnson be, you know, well, you know, they go, well, Takuma Sato. Well, Takuma Sato's been running IndyCars for 10 years, and it took him a while to really get his mojo working. He would show glimpses in that, but it wasn't, uh, you know, in, until five, six, seven years into his career where he started to be a regular winner. So, I, you know, the, the thing he can just run into this, you know, I, am I happy for him? Yes. Because you know, for those who may not know it, uh, Jimmy Johnson, of course, comes from the desert off-road community, and he had, uh, you know, he was a Chevrolet driver, and Chevrolet had opportunities in CART and uh, NASCAR, and because of the issues with CART and the IRL at that time, Jimmy Johnson made the correct choice and went to NASCAR instead of uh, open wheel. But he is, he always said he wanted to run. Uh, the Indianapolis 500, and he thinks maybe that is that is past him, especially because of his age and that and his responsibilities. Uh, but he still wants to run an IndyCar. So, I, I'm am I happy for him? Yes, I am. But the success, it's going to be an uphill battle. You can't just walk into the series and be successful. Look at Fernando Alonso, who kind of 
looked very so well at Indianapolis, but was just an absolute uh, also ran uh, this past year. Yeah, and you know, along with uh, Tony Canon, Helio Castroneves. You know, you talk about another multi-time uh, Indianapolis 500 winner, uh, champion, all that, and uh, he's been running Indy cars since uh, since Jesus was a baby, and uh, you know he. He's out of the series now because uh, he was having problems keeping up to uh, to this pace as well, and he's not much older than Jimmy either. So it uh, it'll be interesting to see. We've got to take another break. Uh, we've got Steve coming right back. We've got one more segment this hour. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Band. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Brought to you, like always, by our good friends over at Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove and uh, David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Steve, some of the other big news that broke this week was uh, California Speedway going to get reconfigured from a two-mile track to a half-mile track. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw the plans for that, and, uh, you know, I'm not too excited about it. It looks looks pretty tight. Um, It looks a little bit too close to Martinsville. Uh, Martinsville... You know, I, I, you know, it's fine, but I'm not a huge fan. I would not put Martinsville in my top ten, but it's definitely not in my bottom ten either. Uh, but I just, if I was gonna design a racetrack, it would have been something between Richmond and Iowa for, for me. You know, if if I would set up to do that, um, you could do. Or the other thing I was thinking of is have have a turn like like you have going into turn one and two uh or switch it up or three and four however you decide to do it and then maybe have a turn one of the turns like richmond you know pocono was based on uh indianapolis milwaukee and trenton the 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 turn from each of those tracks uh maybe do a martinsville side and then a richmond kind of sweeping more of a sweeping side that maybe could have been something could have been a little bit of a triangle type you know, and then pinch it down, uh, you know, uh, how you do that, whether you do the Martinsville side on turn one and two or three and four, I, I don't know. I didn't think that much into it. But I thought there was a couple of different ways of going about it, make it a little more unique, uh, especially you have that plot of land, so you got a lot of weight, you know, a lot of things to do with it. I, I agree something, you know, should have been happened. Uh, the, the racing had been improved at, at, at Fontana, but it still wasn't, never got up to where it should have been. Yeah, I agree. And, of course, the racing got better as the surface got older and became more abrasive. And tire wear was uh, was an issue where new tires were king. And we see that at pretty much all those tracks where uh, new tires, you know, buys you three, four seconds a lap and all that. And uh, it definitely opens up the strategy as well. I think they could have done something different as well. I would have liked for them to sat there and reconfigure it as like a mile track, but still, but have a way where they can run run it as like a three quarter mile as well, 
uh, figure out a way where you're able to move in the fences and, uh, and, and the wall and all that where, you know, just because it is laid out as a mile track, you don't have to run a mile every single year. The plus side for California is with the temperature there and everything like that, it could be a year-round track for multiple series. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I, You know, but I just... It, it's always been an uphill battle with them, and it, it is interesting because you have Irwindale, uh, not that far away, and they've been it's been a struggle with them off and on. And then plus you have the it's California, it's not the easiest to do anything out there in California at this point. So, best of luck to uh, to all, everybody involved with that organization. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, we've got to take a break, and uh, Steve will take over the reins coming up here at the top of the hour. David Hobbs, Eddie Lapine, just great stuff. Stay with us. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 